God's Little Brown Church Sermon Series featuring Pastor Andrew Chrysler. I want to talk this morning, pleading with the Lord to help our unbelief. I am a firm believer that the Bible is true. There's things in there I don't understand. There's things in there I can't quite wrap my mind around. But I'm a firm believer that the Bible is true. And in every area where I've gone specifically against Scripture, which I don't recommend, by the way, it has not worked well. I was not always a preacher. For 16 years, I didn't darken a church door. But God had a plan and purpose for my life. Um, should have been dead a lot of times, but God thought otherwise. When we were down in convocation, when we were down in Florida for the meeting, the uh, the title of the, the the theme of the convocation was unleashed. And uh, as the people had been the the different speakers, and we had speaker uh, one speaker from Ghana two different ones from Canada and one from, uh, from the United States were speaking. But as, as they had been preparing their messages, thinking like, unleash, God's going to free us up to go do great things. And, and each of them, independently, the Holy Spirit working in them, the problem is not God letting us go. The problem is my preconceived notions, my expectations get in the way of God working in my life. Your preconceived notions, our, the pre, our preconceived notions as a society, getting in the way of what God wants to do through us. Um, we, while, while, last weekend, last Sunday after church, Deb and I went down and saw, and saw Jesus' revolution. If you haven't seen it yet, it's still playing down at Essex. Uh, it's also playing at uh, Cumberland 12 over in Champlain, or over in uh, Plattsburgh. I recommend you go see it. It has to do with the Jesus movement in the late 60s, early 70s. Uh, God, outpouring his, God pouring out His Spirit. And I recall growing up in church, uh, I've said this before, I grew up in a Pentecostal holiness church uh, many, 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 many years ago who believed in the manifestations of the power of God, manifestations of the Holy Spirit. But the mainline denominations, be they Baptist or Methodist or Presbyterian or whatever, was like, God doesn't work that way anymore. Now, my Bible tells me that God said, I am the Lord and I change not. Now, it's the same guy. The same God who says in another place, behold, I'm doing a new thing. So trying to put God in a box as to what he's going to do or how he's going to work, trying to get God into my mind frame is probably not going to work. Bible tells me, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of man the things the Lord has prepared for them who love him. Meaning if I can even imagine it, it's not good enough. God has something better in mind. Thinking back over some of the things that have taken place, as you know, it uh, started in uh, Ashbury College, but there are 21 uh, Christian colleges 
that have had an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the last few months. Not only that, down in Nicaragua, in other, you know, in, in, I know in Nicaragua, but in other places as well, God is meeting people at the point of their need. As people are gathering together to worship God, God is showing up and touching and changing hearts. Uh, back in the, the first great awakening in the United States, gentlemen, preacher by the name of Jonathan Edwards, a meek little man, very nervous, had a sermon to deliver, put the sermon on the podium, held on to the podium, never raised his eyes. And he read this sermon called Sinners in the Hand of an Angry God. And there was such a manifestation of the power of the Lord that people were grabbing onto the pillars of the building because they had visions of themselves falling into hell just from what this guy was reading. God wants to touch hearts and lives and He do it in ways that we cannot imagine. And when we say God doesn't do that anymore, we're putting a leash, we're putting boundaries on what God can do in our life. I have scripture to back this up, by the way, so I'm not just throwing stuff out there. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But so many times we get an idea of how God is going to work. And if God doesn't do it the way we thought he was going to, we say, well, maybe that's not God. Scripture tells us that it's our Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. That God wants to work in our lives. We are called to be witnesses to this generation. Jesus told the disciples that they are to be salt and light in the generation. We say, okay, well that was for them way back then. That has nothing to do with today. Jesus said that this gospel will be preached into all the world and then the end will come. The end's not here yet. The gospel hasn't been preached to all the world yet. So how can we say that the things that God put in place for the furtherance of the gospel are no longer any good? No longer happen. In the United States, where we are so comfortable, and there is one of the words in the Old Testament, one of the words in the Hebrew, and I can't I can never remember what it is. I have to go down and look it up again. But one of the words in Hebrew that's translated as adultery literally means highly fed and therefore wanting. Wanting. In other words, having all that we need, we're no longer satisfied. Jesus told the church of Laodicea, you say to yourself, you're that I'm rich and increase the goods and have need of nothing. And Jesus says, you don't recognize that you're poor and miserable and wretched, blind and naked. We do not realize in this nation how much we need God each and every day. The very breath that we breathe is a gift from God. The ability to see, the ability to think, the ability to wave to the car driving by is all a gift of God. But do we praise God for what He's given us? Or do we take these things for granted? In other countries, in other places, even in places in this, air, in this nation where there is great poverty and there's great destitution and people have no hope and all they can do is cry out to God, they find God meeting them at the point of their need. 
when you realize that all you have is God, you realize you have more than enough. But when you think, I have this, I have this, I have, you know, if it gets really bad, I'll pray. How about if we start with praying? How about if we start by seeking God? Let's get into Scripture. John 14, beginning with verse 10. Jesus talking to the disciples, talking actually to Philip. He says, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he do because I go to my Father. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, in our modern English, we think name, okay, we just say, Jesus handle this, like he's some cosmic ATM. But name is character, honor, and authority, recognizing who Jesus is, recognizing who the Father is. Coming in humility, coming seeking the face of God, not for our own benefit, but for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus said, he who believes in me, the works that I do, will he do also, and greater works. How often do you see people doing greater works than what Jesus did? So my question is, do we believe that the Bible is true and that any hindrance has to be from our, my own misunderstanding, my own hindrance, or is God wrong? Like I said, I believe the Bible is true. I believe the Bible is the inspired Word of God. I don't believe anything was written in the Bible that God didn't say, okay, put that there, don't put that there. I believe that. I've seen it manifested in my life, the things that God has said. As God says, do this, and I do this, I'm blessed. And he says, don't do this, and if I do this, I'm not blessed. Made a mess out of my life running from God. But God had a plan and purpose and drew me back. Praise the Lord. Jesus said, the works that I do and greater. You say, well, that's just the, just the apostles. Well, I go back to the previous, the previous argument. Jesus said, you're to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And when the gospel has gone forth, when the message has gone forth, then the end will come. And until we fulfilled what God told us to do, why would he get, take away the tools that he's given us to do it? The problem is, we see those tools, we look into Scripture and say, that's a dusty book on the shelf. It doesn't really apply today, but it does apply today. Scripture says Jesus Christ is the same, yesterday, today, forever. He's consistent. Mark 16, beginning with verse 14. This is after Jesus is resurrected. He has been spotted by a couple of the disciples. That later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of their heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he was risen. We'll stop right there for just a second. The very disciples that Jesus said, Behold, the Son of Man will be crucified and will be raised from the dead on the third day. 
They were trying to figure out what's this raised from the dead means is what scripture says. They didn't quite get it. But Jesus told them it was going to happen. And when people came and said, he is risen, it's like, yeah, I don't think so. Jesus showed up and rebuked their unbelief. Why didn't you believe what I said was going to happen? Why didn't you believe when testimony came that said I'd fulfilled my word? Brings to modern days. When we hear about an outpouring of God, do we rejoice that there was an outpouring of the Spirit of the Lord or do we just kick back and get skeptical? I wonder what the, the twist is. Let me tell you, not everything that's done in the name of the Lord is done by the Lord. Let me throw that out there. But when we say God does not do that anymore, we just don't know. Verse 15, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up the serpents. And if they drink any, anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. These signs shall follow them that believe. Done a whole nother sermon, whole nother topic where Jesus talks, talk, is talking to a group and he talks to the people about how some are put on the right hand and some are put on the left and to those to, on, his, on, his, on his right, figure out which hand is which, those on his right, he says, enter into the rest of your Lord because I was hungry and you gave me food, I was, I was thirsty and you gave me to drink. And those on the left hand, he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. And they will say, Lord, in your name we healed the sick. In your name we cleansed the lepers. In your name we did all these wonderful works. And he will say, depart from me, I never knew you. Even those who don't get into the rest, because they believed, just didn't turn their heart on, were doing those same works that Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe. Why don't we see it in our own day? We don't see it in our own day because we think God was kidding. We think it was for another time. We think it was for another situation. Or we think, oh, wretched man that I am, God can't use anybody miserable like me. God can use anybody. God used a donkey to rebuke a prophet. God used a pagan king to encourage another prophet. Who can't God use? In Isaiah, it talks about the uh, leader, the king of Assyria. And he says, oh, Assyria, staff of mine anger. God use, uses anybody. There is no one that God can't use. So if God can use all of those people, Lord, here I am. Lord, direct my steps. I don't want glory. I want your will to be done. Luke 9, beginning with verse 48. Love this. Love this. Luke 9, beginning with verse 48, Jesus, And he said to them, Whoever receives this little child in my name receives me, and whoever receives him who sent me, for he who is the least among you will be great. And John answered, Master, 
we saw someone casting out demons in your name. And we forbade him because he does not follow us. Excuse me just a moment. Now, if you're reading a New King James Version to Scott Headings, it says, Jesus forbids sectarianism. He doesn't follow us, so we didn't let him. Think about this. Jesus is still walking on the earth. He hasn't been crucified. He hasn't risen again. Jesus had said, back, these signs shall follow them that believe. That was even after he had been crucified and raised again. But this is a person, John said, we saw someone casting out devils in your name, casting out demons in your name, but he didn't follow us, so we wanted him to stop. Farther on. Keep going. Yep, keep going. Keep going. Okay, keep going. That's the right thing. Yep. Do not forbid him. That's where I am right there. Jesus said, Do not forbid him, for he is not, who not against us is on our side. Think about this. This was a person who knew about Jesus, knew that in the authority of Jesus, didn't follow him, wasn't with the group, but understood who Jesus was and was casting out devils in Jesus' name. We saw him. John said, we saw one casting out devils in your name, but he didn't follow us, so we wanted him to stop. We go back to, these signs shall follow them that believe. This is not one of the disciples. This is not one of the inner group. This is not one of the 500 that were following him at one point. This was somebody John saw and said, I know who that is. And because of who he is, this needs to change. Was willing to stand and make a difference where he was. Saw somebody that was oppressed by a demon and was casting out that demon in the name of Jesus without even following Jesus. But just because he knew who Jesus was, these signs shall follow them that believe. Acts 6, verse 8, talks about Stephen. It says, Stephen, full of faith and power, did, did great wonders and signs among the people. Well, Stephen wasn't one of the apostles. Stephen was some guy later appointed to wait tables. To pass out to the to minister to the needs of the saint, but he was full of the Holy Spirit, and God used him to touch people's lives. Acts nineteen, beginning with verse eleven. It says, now God worked unusual miracles by the hand of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and evil spirits went out of them. Just from a cloth. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call on the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exorcise you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. John saw somebody casting out demons in the name of Jesus who wasn't following Jesus. These itinerant Jewish exorcist heard that Paul did it, maybe it'll work for us too. 
These signs shall follow them that believe. The guy John saw believed. The sons of Sceva said, huh, maybe this will work. A big difference. The evil spirit answered, of, we, exec- we exercise you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish priest, who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowering them and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Standing up and declaring something that you don't believe probably got some consequences we hadn't expected. But declaring what we believe, that my God is able to touch a heart. My God is able to change a life. My God has shown himself mighty on my behalf. He doesn't love me more than he loves anybody else. My God is able to intervene in that. And standing in the faith, Lord, I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know what this looks like. But I know that you love this person. I know that you've declared deliverance. And be willing to be the hands and feet of God extended. But my own belief gets in the way. How can a holy God use a messed up person like me? David said at one point, my sin is always before me. I know my faults and my sin is always before me. I praise God I'm not the person that I used to be. Deb tells people all the time, if I'd have known him then, I wouldn't know him now. But praise God, he's touched and changed my life. I am a new creature because of who he is in my life. And I'm able to stand... Before a holy God, clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Not because of my deeds, but because of what He did on my behalf. And if He is able to take me and make, change, make a change in my life, He can fix anybody. I talk to people all the time. They say, I can't come to church. Lightning might strike. Lightning didn't strike me, you're probably all set. I can't come to church. Roof might fall in on me i got a brother sitting here on the second row. The three different times going to a church, piece of roof fell. Piece of the ceiling has fallen and hit him. Hasn't hurt him, but he's here. But guess what? Even if the roof falls in on you, God's still not done. Do we believe God can touch and change people's lives? Acts 14. I'm getting close. I'm not done yet, but I'm getting close. Acts 14, beginning with verse 1, says, Now it happened at Iconium that they went together to the synagogue. This is Paul and and, uh, Silas. Paul and Barnabas. Haven't got to Silas yet. Paul and Barnabas. And also spoke to a great multitude, both of the Jews and the Greeks, or at... A great multitude, both of the Jews and Greeks, believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. Therefore they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness by the word of His grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. Paul and Barnabas in Iconium, preaching. And there is opposition. There are people trying to stir up trouble. After Paul and Barnabas came back from their missionary journey, or while they were on the missionary journey, um, John Mark, the young man that had been with them, and he ended up going back and leaving them high and dry. He deserted them. 
So later, when Paul and Barnabas were getting ready to go on a journey again, Barnabas wanted to bring John Mark. And Paul's like, uh-uh. It's not going to happen. And the scripture says they had a, a very contentious discussion. And they agreed, if Barnabas was going to bring John Mark, that Barnabas and John Mark were going by themselves, and Paul was going to take Silas. And Paul and Silas went on the second missionary journey. Barnabas and John Mark went on a missionary journey. Guess what? power of God was demonstrated there too. God's using the people who are willing to step out and say, Lord, touch this person. Lord, work in this life. I mentioned having watched the Jesus Revolution. Uh, if you haven't seen it, um, sorry, slight spoiler alert. Slight. There is one scene where they're in a big tent meeting and Lonnie, who is played by the guy who plays Jesus in the Chosen series, Lonnie is standing up there and all of a sudden he is overcome with compassion and he talks about this person that's hurting and he looks and he sees him, sees the woman and goes over and begins ministering to her. Begins working in their life. Are we willing to be used by God to reach out and meet the needs of the people around us? Are we willing to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit? Say, God, whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go. Are we willing? It's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants to draw and reconcile us to Himself, and reconcile the world to Himself. Jesus came to die to pay the price for the sin of the world. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believed in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Not just three people in this state and 27 people over there. The world. In the Garden of Eden... After having partaken of the fruit and recognizing that they were naked, Adam and Eve hid in the garden when they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the cool of the evening. And the Spirit of the Lord said, Adam, where are you? Not that God didn't know where they were, but Adam, you have separated yourself from me. And God has given us a spirit of a, a a ministry of reconciliation to bring people to Himself. He's given us the tools. He's given us the ability. He's given us a heart. He's given us the Holy Spirit to touch the people around us. But if we say God doesn't work like that anymore, we get in the way. Matthew 13, verse 54. When he had come to his own country, that's Jesus, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? 
are his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Where did this man get all these things? So they were offended by him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. Now he did not do many things, many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Jesus could not do many mighty works because of the unbelief of the people around him. Jesus, the people is trying to minister to people who watch him grow up. People have known him his whole life. And they did not believe that he could become from God. We've known him. Sometimes in our own families. People, I remember when you did. Yeah, but let me tell you about the grace and love and mercy of God. That even takes a messed up person like I used to be. I've told this point, I've told this quote to the point where it drives people crazy, I'm sure. Several years ago, Deb and I were down in uh, Florida. We were going down for my father's memorial service. Um, we'd taken our camper down. We stopped at the Walmart to park in the Walmart parking lot. You always go in, let the folks know you're there. So, you know, so not in the way, any of that. And Walmart's very good about allowing campers to park in their parking lot, but they don't want you interfering with business. And as we're going in, one of my cousins is standing in there. And I'm waiting in line to get up and talk, uh, to get up and let the folks know we were there and get permission. And, and my cousin is talking to Debbie, and Debbie's talking about how I'm a pastor in Vermont, and another brother of ours is a pastor in North Florida. And my cousin just starts shaking her head. Deb says, What? Says, You don't understand. When I was growing up, they was the heathen. We were the people you did not want your kids to grow up like. We were the bad example. You know how hard it is to minister to my family? <laughs> but let me tell you something. They see the change. They know who I was, but they also know I'm not that person anymore. They know who Jesse was, but they know he's not that person anymore. God can touch and change a life. I just have to be willing to try and share. Very last scripture, very last passage, two scriptures. Mark 9, verses 23 and 24. Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And immediately the father of the child cried out and said with Jesus, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. We are in a society, we are in a day and age where the super, everybody's pushing for the supernatural. They're looking for some spiritual, spiritual thing unless it points to God. Unless it points to a holy God who has standards. Who has a, there's a way that seems right unto man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. Doing it your own way is going to fall short. Doing it my own way is going to fall short. God has a standard. God has instruction. God has His Holy Spirit to guide us. And He's called us to be faithful witnesses in this generation. If God wanted you to minister a hundred years ago, you'd have been born a hundred years ago. 
He wants you here now. And this generation is where we put us. Scripture says, in the fullness of time, Christ died for the ungodly. The Jews had been looking, or actually even before the Hebrews were around, even before the Jewish people around. In the Garden of Eden, there was a prophecy of Jesus. From the very beginning, the salvation is coming from the Lord. And in the fullness of time, all of those generations later, God fulfilled His word. As God has worked in our circumstances, God has worked in our lives. If, if all of our days are written in the book before ever any of them were, God already knew what was going on. Knew what we would be facing. Knew what, what we would uh, come up against. And He s still says, my grace is sufficient for you. That He has given us everything we need for life and godliness. That He has called us to be lights, to be faithful witnesses in this generation. He's given us the tools. He's given us the knowledge. He's given us His Word. He's given us His Spirit. The question is, are we going to lay down our limitations and let God's strength be made perfect in our weakness? Or are we still going to try and put God in a box saying, oh, God doesn't do that anymore. God doesn't heal people anymore. God doesn't change people's lives anymore. Yes, He does. He's done it in my life. He's done it in different people I've seen. I've seen people healed. I've laid hands on people and God has healed them. I haven't done anything except be willing. Now, does it happen every time? Absolutely not. Do I understand why not? No, I don't. But one day, I will know even as also I am known. I have that promise in Scripture. But in the meantime, I am called to be faithful. You are called to be faithful. Witnesses, faithful messengers, faithful ambassadors of a holy God who loves us and is trying to reconcile the world back to Himself. Jesus paid the ultimate price. He took on the sin, your sin and mine. And the next millions and millions of people that drive by. And you know how long it's going to take for millions of people to drive by this intersection? But He's paid the price for all of them. But until they know Him, until they encounter them, they'll never know that. And we are called to be the witnesses in this generation. But Lord, I've held you back. I've, I've kept silent in so many different ways. I've, I've missed opportunities. I've allowed my unbelief to get in the way of your will being done on earth as it is in heaven. So Lord, I believe... Help my unbelief. Lord, forgive me for holding back. But Lord, let me be a light and a vessel fit for the Master's use. Work in me and through each of us, Father, to show your love to this lost generation, to be the witnesses you've called us to be, to be the vessels fit for the Master's use, to be faithful stewards, to be faithful witnesses. And to be your hand and feet extended. For Lord, this is a generation so desperate for hope. A generation so desperate to know the truth. A generation so desperate to get out of the pain. Lord, you've called us to be lights. You've called us to be witnesses. And you've called us to be your hand and feet extended. Jesus told us.
These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they will cast out devils. They will speak no speak with new tongues. They will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm them. You have called us to be an example, to be a light to the people around us. Father, we have held back. My own unbelief, the unbelief of others have held back. So that even as the Scripture said, that Jesus, when He was in His own town, could not do many things there, could not do many great works there because of their unbelief. But Lord, let my unbelief never again be a hindrance to You working in my life. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit glbcdt.org.